All right, Rabbi good morning, good morning. Let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsor, Atamu Torah sponsors for Adar Aleph. Atamu Torah sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating all the Shurman Drushos this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Zechariah Ben Zechariah and Dina Basrab Dove. To thank Art and Sherry Miller, our Talmud Torah sponsors, for dedicating all the Sherman Drushos this month in loving memory of Art's brother, Richard Miller, Ruben Ben Betzala Barachon. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors today, Jacob and Goldie Milner, in honor of Jeremy Lassen. Where was Jeremy? I just saw him before. Where did he go? He was just here. All right. For all of his hard work and guidance, both for ourselves and for the community. Beautiful. Very sweet. Very sweet. All right. Well, with that, let us begin. Thank you to Rabbi Kalman Akiva for giving a beautiful shir yesterday. Today we are starting. If we can give you a little bit of homework. Yud Aleph, Amat Aleph, from the two dots, 11 lines down from the top. So we'll say, so remember, we are about to get into a very beautiful sugya. A number of actually beautiful sugyas ahead of us today. Good. So we'll say, let's begin. So the Mishnah, so the Gemara quotes from the Mishnah. Oh, sorry. Gemara quotes from the Mishnah and says as follows. Uh, the Mishnah says, Mishnah said, Mikra muat v'halachos merubo. So we'll say, so remember again, interestingly enough, the Mishnah, which was really a quite fascinating Mishnah, Yudam Aleph, discussed a number of different halachos, some of which have a voluminous amount of psukim and smaller amount of Torah Shabbatah, Others which are very rarely referenced in the text, but are really developed by Torah Shabbat Peh. So it says, Nigan Mirubos. So the subjects of Nigoim, Nigoim is Tzaras, Oalos, we'll say just like it sounds, the Halachos of Tumas Ohel. Remember again, the concept that Halacha Lamaisa, if a corpse, or if it doesn't have to be a corpse, it could be even be again a Sharet, it could even be a part of a corpse, that it's underneath a roof. The roof, the ohel, has the ability to disperse the tumah to anything which is under the same roof. So we'll say, so the halachos of negam, the halachos of oalos, mikromuat, v'halachos merubos, have very few psukim. So what's the of mikromuat means? They don't have a lot of psukim, but ultimately, again, have a lot of halachos. Now, we'll say, in this context, we know that halachos usually means, again, a lot of details, and those details often are not captured in the text of Torah Shebech Sav, but rather are conveyed in Torah Shebaal Peh. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? Negaim mikra muat, negaim mikra merubah. What's that really? There's only a few psukim dedicated to tzaras. There's a whole bunch of psukim dedicated to tzaras, right? Again, there are so many psukim that discuss it. So the Gemara says, Papa Ali Kamer, this is what it means to say. Negaim mikra meruba v'halachos muatos. I will say, interesting, what it means to say is just the opposite. When it comes to tzaras, there's actually a lot of psukim, but not a lot of halachas. I will say, what does that mean? It means that the halachos of tzaras are pretty much as they are spelled out in the text. Well, so there's, you know, we're, we're very used to the model of the Torah kind of telling us something, and, and often in a, in a cryptic or somewhat ambiguous way, and then Torah Shabbat develops the rest of it. There are certain things where the Torah is quite explicit. So Negaim, Saras, happens to be one of those things. The Torah is really explicit in the way that it conveys Saras. And therefore, again, what Torah Shabbat Pet needs to do in order to develop the, the topic is not really all that much. Conversely, Olos, Mikra Muat, Vahalachos Merubos. We'll say conversely, Olos, again, the Halacha of, of Oel, when it comes to Tumas Meis, 
Mikramuat has very little textual allusion, Vahalochos Mirubos, but ultimately again has an incredible amount of halacha. Shabbos say the Gemara has asked something so incredibly profound. Umay nafkamina. Shabbos say, what does it matter? Right? What does it matter? In other words, we're going through the Mishnah spent all of this time discussing things. This one has a lot of psukim, not so much Torah Shabbat. This one has a lot of Torah Shabbat, not that much psukim. What does it matter? What does it matter? Well, listen to how profound this is. It matters for the following reason. Because what it teaches you is that if you have a question when it comes to Tzaras, where should you look? Where should you look? In the Psukim. Why should you look in the Psukim? Because Negoim is a topic that is extensively covered in the Psukim of Torah. Conversely, and if you have a Shailah, when it comes to Alos, where should you look? In the Mishnahis. So they weren't telling me, it matters, because if I have a question, I have to know where to look. Right? Therefore, to know what's really discussed in Torah Shabbat Sav, what's really discussed in Torah Shabbat Peh, if I don't know where things are discussed, I don't know where to look. And I both say, what an incredible life lesson. You see, we all have questions in life. All have questions in life. And the most important thing when it comes to questions in life is knowing where to look and who to ask. Because if I don't know where to look and I don't know who to ask, then what happens? I end up looking in the wrong places and I end up asking the wrong people. And therefore, by extension, I end up getting the wrong answers, the wrong etza, and the wrong approaches to life. So the Gemara says, to have questions is normal. And both say, no one is, is, listen to this incredible yisod. No one is expected to have all the answers to the questions in life. What I am expected to do is to figure out where to look or who to ask. That, to have questions, not know, that's acceptable. To not know where to go, to not know where to ask, that's negligent. Incredible, I've said. Incredible. Dinin. So the Mishnah then went on. Mishnah then went on. Dinin. So remember, Dinin refers to Dinin Malanus. So Dinin refers ultimately again to, to monetary law. So remember again, when the Mishnah spoke about Dinin, so the Mishnah referred to this as Yeshlahen, this list that we're about to go through, the Mishnah says, Yeshlahen These halachas have what to rely on. Now both say, that lushan of these halachas have what to rely on sound like that what? They're not really extensively discussed in the Torah. They're kind of alluded to, and they have what to rely upon in rabbinic law. So the Gemara says, really, monetary law, michtav kasivan. But it's not true. Monetary law is so, so incredibly discussed, right? It's thoroughly discussed within the Chumash. Lo nitzcha ela Now I will say, what it means is, this is actually very interesting. It doesn't mean all of monetary law is only alluded to. It means that there are certain pivotal aspects of monetary law that happen not to be explicit and are only alluded to. For example, what? Like Rebbe's drasha, the sign Rebbe Omer, Nefesh, Tachas Nefesh. So the Torah over here is talking about the following situation. Nefesh, Tachas Nefesh. Torah is actually referring to over here if Halacha two men are arguing and they end up going ahead and injuring a pregnant woman. Right? So, say, so remember again, remember again, there's a discussion if she miscarries, there's a discussion if she dies. So ultimately, again, the Torah says, Right? If a tragedy occurs and the person dies, you should give a nefesh tachas nefesh. Now, Bose, when you read that Pasik, what does nefesh tachas nefesh mean? What does it mean? What is it? A life for a life. So, Bose, now remember again, 
The Torah never qualifies that term. And by the way, the Torah uses that type of term in Parshas Mishpatim many times. Ayin tachas ayin. Shein tachas shein. Yad tachas yad. Kiviyah tachas kiviyah. Pesah tachas. So, so again, so the Gemara says, what does nefesh tachas nefesh mean? So the Gemara says, ato omer mamon. Well, maybe you'll say it's a monetary payment. Or eno elo nefesh mamish. No, maybe it means actual nefesh. In other words, maybe nefesh tachas nefesh means life, literally, life for a life. You kill someone, your life is taken. So the Gemara says, Ne'emran asina lemata, v'ne'emran asina lemalo. So it says, it says, it says the Gemara, it says nesina in an earlier context, and it says nesina in this context. Ma'lahalon mamon, afkan mamon. So we'll say, ultimately, again, we have a gzera shava of nesina, nesina, of Nisina Nisina. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Nisina Lamala, Leinyan Deme Vlados, Tirsiv, Vinasan Biflilim. So we'll say that's the halacha. If ultimately someone, someone injures a pregnant woman and as a result she miscarries. As a result, she miscarries. Shabbos said, there's an interest. So, we, so the Torah says, you give her damages. You give her damages. How you assess damages in the case of a, of, of a miscarriage is an interesting discussion. Not our topic for today. But the point over here is, it uses the lashon of nesina, of giving, by the case where a man injures a pregnant woman and she miscarries. And it uses nesina, v'nasan nefesh, v'nasata nefesh tachas nefesh. And the same way, that Nesina in the earlier context means what? Monetary compensation. So, so to Venasata, Nefesh, Tachas, Nefesh means what? Means what? Ultimately, again, money. Money. Nebos, you'll say to yourself, how does... See what he, I understand the Gzeri Shabbat, right? The Gzeri Shabbat makes sense. But what's the problem? Or what, what bothers you with this? What bothers you about this? How does Nefesh mean money? How does nefesh mean money, right? Nesina, nesina, I understand. So we'll say again, what do we say in Dilim? Right? You know what it takes to make money? You know what it takes to make money? Right? For many of us, it takes your nefesh. Right? It takes every little bit of being. It takes my entire, right? It, it's koach. I have to put my life force into earning a parnosa. So we have two things. So there's already a connection between nefesh and parnosa. Benafsho yavi lachmo, bezea sapecha tocha lechem. The entirety of myself is put in to earning a parnosa. To earning a parnasa, and ultimately again nesina nesina. Good. So therefore, Abosai. So therefore, the Gemara says ma 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 lehalon mamon afkamam. So Abosai, Abosai. So therefore, again halacha lemaisa. Jeremy missed, but the the uh, the Milner's sponsored daf in your honor. Shkoyach. Good. Mazel tov. I just want to no. I don't want people asking for refunds. You know, it's not uh, in case I didn't, he didn't hear it, he didn't know about it. Okay, now you know about it. Good. So I say. So, so, so the Gemara says as follows. So I say. So remember again. Therefore, when the Torah says, so therefore when the when, sorry, when the Mishnah says that halacha lemaisa, that halacha lemaisa, that din and dine mamanis, dine mamanis are really learned out from Torah Shabbat Pen, not from Torah Shabbat It turns out. The Mishnah is referring to this one thing. The bulk of monetary law is actually quite explicit, but there are certain details. And I will say, by the way, this is not just a certain detail. This is, this is a doozy, right? This is a big one. This is, so what, that's what the Mishnah meant when it said that there are certain like pivotal aspects 
of monetary law that are learned out from drushas. Beautiful. Says Kavaitra Avodos. Remember again, the next thing in the Mishnah was the Mishnah said that Avoda. Sacrificial service is learned, is not really explicit in the text, but Yeshla Amal Ismok. They have what to rely on, which I will say sounds like it's learned out from Tersh Peh. To which the Gemara says, What? Michtav Ksivan, I will say, Sefer Vayikra. Sefer Vayikra, it's every single detail one ever wanted to know about the Avoda and more. How can you say that the details of sacrificial service are not explicit? This is very interesting. There is a detail that is missing. What's the detail that's missing? The detail that's missing ultimately is the obligation of holacha. Rebosa, remember again, we saw this. We actually did this a little bit in Yuma as well. The order of sacrificial services, shchita. What happens after shchita? Kabbalah, you receive the blood. Holacha, which means the taking of the blood to the Mizbeach, and then zrika. Right? And then, and then ultimately sprinkling it on the Mizbeach. So listen to this, Rabbi Disanya, because we learned in the Braissa, the Rabbi here's what you're going to see, is fascinating. The Avodah of Holacha is not mentioned in the Torah. Isn't this fascinating? Kabbalah is mentioned, right? Receiving the blood. Sprinkling the blood is mentioned. But Holacha is not mentioned in the Torah. So Disanya, Vehikrivo, the Pasik says, you shall offer up the blood, Vehikriva koines or shall offer up, he'll offer it all up, Zu Kabbalah's Hadam. This refers to Kabbalah. Va'ach, va'afka, Rachmana, Balashon, Holacha, Dixiv, Vehikriva koines akol, Vehiktira mizbecha, Va'amar mar, Zu Holacha's Evarim lekevesh, Lememra. The Torah says over here that ultimately the Torah uses the Lashon. Mar says that ultimately, again, when it says, is a Lashon of Holacha, to teach me that all of the Halachas that govern, that govern, that govern Kabbalah, also govern Holacha. Now, we'll say, take, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. The idea is, all of the details which govern Kabbalah will govern Holacha. We'll see what those Holachas are in just a moment. Rashi says as follows. So listen to this. Why doesn't the Torah mention Holacha? Why doesn't the Torah mention taking the blood from spot A to spot B? Because technically speaking, you could take away the need for Holacha. How can you take away the need for Holacha? If you shecht the animal right near the Mizbeach, right? You could do that. So therefore, again, pretty much in the area where I'm doing the Kabbalah, from there I could do, from there I could do the Zerika, and therefore I obviate the need for Holacha. That's why it's not explicitly mentioned. However, however, the Gemara says, Heicha delo batla avodahi. But it's important to know where Holacha is a necessity, right? Where I need to do Holacha, it is an avoda, and therefore it is governed by all of the strictures of avoda. So therefore, I will say all of the details which passel any other form of avoda, namely, it has to be a kohen, he has to be wearing the big day kohuna, can't be an onin, can't be sitting, can't be someone who's uncircumcised, all of the things that would invalidate any other avoda. Go ahead and invalidate, invalidate holacha as well. Sefer Abosai, when the Mishnah says that there are aspects of avoda that are not explicit in the text, it's referring dafka to the dinim of holacha. 
because halacha is not explicit, it's learned out, but it's governed by all the other details of sacrificial service. Incredible. Taros, so we'll say, what about the laws of Taros? So we'll say, the laws of ritual purity, to which the Gemara says, Michtav Kasivan, it's not true, I don't know, the laws of Tum and Taros seem to be so explicit in the Torah, how can you say that it's not explicit? Lo nitzracha ela l'shir mikvah. They both say, this is fascinating. So, you know what's missing from the Torah? say, it's so fascinating. In general, it's a fascinating exercise to see. Not exercise. It's fascinating just to think about. What are the things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu explicitly states? And what are the things that he leaves for us to discover through the halachic process? So the Gemara says, by the way, one of the things that's mentioned that's absent from the Psukim in the Torah is what? The Shir of Mikvah. Right? What's the Shir of Mikvah? How big does a Mikvah have to be. Delok Siva. We'll say, isn't this incredible? Or we'll say, it's not an exaggeration to say that almost all of Yiddishkeit depends on the mikvah. Right? If you think about this for just a moment, right? A person wants to convert, you need a mikvah. A person wants to raise a family, Bikdusha Batara, need a mikvah. A person wants to transition from Tuma to Tara, need a mikvah. So I can't build my family in Taro without Tara Samishbacha. I need a mikvah. I can't build my people, Gerim, without a mikvah. I, you need a mikvah for everything. And yet again, interestingly enough, how big is the mikvah? How, how, how big of a mikvah do you need? So we'll say, this is incredible. Tisanya, Birachat, that's Bissara Bamayim. Pasik says he shall wash his flesh in water, Bemei mikvah. That's referring to a mikvah. Eskol Bissaro. Tabosa, the Torah says you have to be able to immerse all of your flesh. So the Gemara says, Mayim Shekal Gufa Ola Bahen. This refers to a mikvah has to be large enough that you could immerse your entire body at one time. At one time. They come ahead. So I'm going to say, how big of a mikvah do you need in order to be able to immerse your entire body at one time? Ama al ama berum shalosh amos. It has to be one ama by one ama at a height of three amos. So I'm going to say, so how much volume of the shiru chachamim me mikvah are ba'im sa'ah? And ultimately, again, Chazal went ahead and established that that is the shear of 40 sa'ah. And Abbas said, we know this. 40 sa'ah is mm-hmm. just, to, just to give you like a little bit of a frame of reference, 40 sa'ah is approximately 150 gallons. So 150 gallons would be the minimum shear of a mikvah. Because the assumption is that's the amount of water that a generally sized person needs in order to be able to immerse their entire body Comfortably, 150 gallons. We'll say most mikvahs, of course, are more than that. Much more than that. But Lamaisa, that's the minimum shear. So we'll say, but, so therefore, again, when the Mishnah says, and the Mishnah says that halacha Lamaisa, the laws of Taurus, are not explicit in the text, again, what you see there's a theme developing. The Mishnah is saying that there are crucial pieces of information in each of these topics that, amazingly enough, is not in the text, but rather is learned out from Torah Shabbat. Incredible. Let's go right there. Says the Gemara Timaeus. So we'll say Tuma. The laws of Tuma is also the Mishnah said not really explicit in the text. Once again, Mechtav Kesivan. To which again the Gemara says, really, we spend so much time about Tuma in the Torah. How can you say it's not explicit in the text? So we'll say now watch this. Because we'll say there is one important detail that is actually not explicit in the text, which is that even a, a sheretz or even a small piece of sheretz, a lentil-sized piece of sheretz has the ability to convey Tumah. That detail 
is not mentioned in the Torah. To which the Gemara says, Desanya, Bohem, the Pasik says, Torah is talking about all of the laws of Shratzim. It says, Bahem, So anything that comes in contact, Bahem. So the Gemara, Bahem. Whatever touches them. Now, Bosa, here's what's interesting. Bahem, Yachal Bekulon. I might have thought, Bosa, the Lashon of Bahem sounds like, Bahem sounds like, in order to contract Tumah from a Sharetz, what do you have to do? You have to touch the, an entire Sharetz, an intact Sharetz. Talmud Lomar, Mayhem. Bosa, what does Mayhem mean? Mayhem means from them. From them sounds like what? Sounds like what? I don't need a whole sheretz, but what? A piece of sheretz. Shtick sheretz, right? A little piece of sheretz. That's all I need. Yachol b'miktsasan. So you might have thought, therefore, all you need is a little piece of sheretz. Tamalomar bohem. So what's here? What's going on over here? So exciting. Who, so, who could have thought Shratz would be so exciting? So now listen to this. So, we'll say, so we, have, we, have, we, have, we have conflicting words. Bohem mehem. Bohem makes it sound like in order to contract Tumah from a Sheretz, I need to touch a Sheretz in its entirety. Mayhem sounds like, again, I only have to touch part of a Sheretz. So which one is it? Ultimately, you only contract Tumah if you touch a minimum part of a Sheretz, minimum piece of a Sheretz, that's like a whole Sheretz. We'll say, what does that mean? So Shiru Chachamim Kebicha so we'll say Chazal said, therefore, again, as long as you touch a piece of a sheretz that's at least the size of a lentil, right? That is the smallest piece of sheretz that is like an entire sheretz. So we'll say, what does that mean? Shekein chomet trilasa bechadasha. We'll say, apparently, there's a sheretz called the chomet. What is the chomet? Well, so if you look at Rashi, Rashi says something interesting. Chomet is Omer Ani Shumin Sheretz Shekorin Limga Hagada Beklipa Haholeches Umaageles Tamid Kol So we'll say Rashi seems to sound like it's a it's a creature a crawling creature that rolls around in a shell. So it sounds like what? It sounds like a, a snail, a snail of some sort. So apparently this chomet is a tiny little sheretz. And it's the size of a lentil. So I will say, so a lentil is the size of a sheretz that, that represents a whole sheretz. So therefore, what essentially Chazal said is like this. The way to reconcile mayhem and bohem is, you can become tummy if you touch a piece of a sheretz, as long as that piece is what? As big as a potential whole sheretz. What's the smallest whole sheretz that apparently exists? The chamat. And how big is the chamat? The size of an adash, the size of a lentil. Therefore, again, what Chazal said is as soon as you touch any lentil's piece of sheretz, you are going to become tummy. Incredible. So Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, no, kizan hatla, halta. Rabbi Yossi says it's actually the size, the minimum size of a sheretz, right, that you could touch is actually, and become, and become tummy is the size of a lizard's tail. A lizard's tail. Plus, if you look at Rashi, what is in Kizan of Haltal, why a lizard's tail? Listen to this. Because we'll say, ultimately, again, ultimately, if you cut off a lizard's tail, what happens to it? It moves around even after, even after it's cut off. So, therefore, again, that's the minimum shear, that's the minimum size of a sheriff that you could touch and ultimately still become tummy. Then I both say it's interesting. Why does Rashi choose, how does Rashi explain, why, why does Rabbi Yossi choose the lizard's tail? Because again, once when it's cut off, it still wiggles around. And therefore, again, what does Rashi say? Shiesh bo chios. It has life. Even when it's detached, it has life. And I will say, what an incredible Musar Haskil. 
because, you know, there are times in life, there are times in life when our goal in life is to always be attached, right? It's to always be attached, to be attached to our families, to be attached to our kehila, to be attached to our community, because that's where we gain life from. But I will say, but there are moments when we are detached, for whatever the reason, right? Maybe because we're geographically detached, or maybe because we go through difficult times in life, maybe we feel emotionally or spiritually detached. The job of a yid is to continue to move, to continue to wiggle, to, right? to even when I'm detached, right? Even when I'm detached from the source, I have to make sure that I have enough life in me to keep myself going. Because they both say the important thing to remember is there are always moments of detachment. Just, just the way that life works. I will say, you know, I will tell you just as an aside, it's one of the most incredible things that I think many of us have seen throughout the pandemic. To me, you know, one of the most incredible things is how people who were part of things for so long kind of went different ways, right? You were part of something for years, something even for decades. It's shuls, it's social groups, it's, it's diff- different things. And then people just moved on. It, it, it happens. It happens in life. And nothing bad. Just things shift. Everything shifts. There are moments in life of detachment. But what I have to make sure is that when I'm attached, I gird myself with enough spiritual strength so that when I get detached, which inevitably happens, I have enough koach to keep moving. I have enough koach to keep wiggling. I have enough koach that I still have chiyas inside of me. Let's go weiter. So Arias. What about Arias? Right? So again, once again, the Mishnah says, the Mishnah says, that again, Arias is not really so explicit in the text. What are you talking about? Mechtav Ksivan. There's a whole section on Arias, to which the Gemara says, Lo nitzricha abenbeis lebito me'anosaso. Then I both said, there is a case. I both said, you see, by the way, the common theme. The Gemara, the Gemara keeps explaining the Mishnah as saying, you're right, all of these topics are written inside of the Torah. But there are details that are not. For example, Abbas says, this is actually an interesting case. This is the daughter of a, of a woman that a man raped. So let's say again, a man rapes a woman, and as a result of, of, of that act, she becomes pregnant. She has a daughter. She has a daughter. That daughter, right, that product of the rape, is usher to the rapist, Azarias. Azarias. So I said, the Gemara says, the Loksiva, that's not, that's not mentioned in the text. The Amarava, Amarli Yerevitzcha Paravdimi, Asya Heina Heina, Asya Zima Zima. So I Rashi points out over here that you might have thought that because this child was the result of a Maisa Avera, right? Maybe again, the biological father and the biological child have no connection. Kamash Malam, they do. Kamash Malam, this is his daughter, even though, again, it occurred from a horrific act. Lamaisa, she is still his daughter, still an erva, and therefore, again, she is prohibited to him. Good. So, we'll say, how did the Mishnah end? Hein, hein, gufei Torah. These are... See, I will say, what's interesting about this is the, the Mishnah ended up, after it goes through the list that we just went through, hein, hein, gufei Torah. This is the essence of Torah, right? These are the bodies of Torah. To which the Gemara says, Hani in Hanachlo. Really? That's it. This list over here. This list over here in the Mishnah. Dinin, monetary law. Monetary law. Avodo, sacrificial law. Tarus, purity, laws of purity. Timaeus, laws of impurity. Arias. These are the bodies of Torah and nothing else. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Ela'ema, hein, vehein, gufei Torah. These topics, 
And the previously mentioned topics are all Gufei Torah. This is the body of Torah. I will say, so what, what, what does that mean? So I'll say it's an incredible yesod. Torah is comprised. Torah is comprised. I'm not sure if that was someone's ringtone or somebody whistling to me. Right? So, 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 so the, the, the idea of here is as follows. I'll say, the Gemara is teaching us an incredible yesod, which is, which is, there are two parts of the Torah. There are the things we understand, and there are the things we don't understand. And hein, hein, gufei Torah. See, I will say, what it means to be a Jew is to be all in. Is to be all in. And it's it's and being all in literally means I'm in for the things that make sense to me. I'm in for the things that don't make sense to me. And there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm in for the things I understand and I'm in for the things I don't understand. And I will say, by the way, it's no different than any other life relationship. Imagine you go home and you tell your wife, you know what, Here, here's what I want to do. I fully accept the parts of you that I like. But I actively repudiate, distance myself, and reject the things of you I don't like. Okay. You can sleep in my house, by the way. You can sleep in my house. You can try that, right? Let's say, in other words, it doesn't work. You know what relationship is? Relationship is, I accept all of you. I accept all of you. Are there things that, that like drive me a little bit crazy? I'm not talking about my wife. I want to be clear. Right? This is for the old one, right? Are there things that drive, that drive me crazy? Are there things I don't understand? Are there things that, why are you doing this? Of course. Of course, but Lamaise, that's what relationship is. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I celebrate the things that are great. I learn how to figure out the things that are a little bit difficult, right? I navigate and we create a beautiful relationship. That's the Gemara saying, hein, hein, gubet, say, sometimes our greatest relationship, our problem with our relationship with Hashem is exactly this point that we're selective in what we're willing to commit to, that we're selective about the relationship. I'll, t- I'll take some of Arachayim, but I don't like Yeradeya. I'll take one of the things, Simon and Mishpat, but I don't like this. Let's say it doesn't work that way. Relationships only work if they're all in. Now, I want to be clear. All in doesn't mean I'm perfect, just like any relationship, right? I, I could take this approach. I accept everything. I mess up. I make mistakes. So in our relationship with Hashem, don't confuse all in for perfection. All in just means just that. I accept it all. Am I going to do it all? No. Right? Am I going to be good in it all? No. But I accept it. I accept that this is the relationship. The things I understand, the things I don't understand, I am all in. I'm into this relationship, into your entire Torah. Now for the next four blots. Crazy good Gemara. Crazy good Gemara. Some beautiful Agarita, some beautiful Allah Hosein. It's incredible. It's incredible. All right. Says the Gemara. It's almost like you. Yeah. All right. So let, let's go. Says the Mishnah. Ain't Darshan Ba'arayas Bashal. So we'll say, see, now we're going to get a little bit technical. And then Amir Tashim, we're going to see tomorrow, the next couple of days. It's incredible. Ain't Darshan Ba'arayas Bashal. So we'll say, the Mishnah is going to do something very interesting. So we'll say, I just want to show you an interesting progression. So what we've done is, we've just kind of got finished saying, literally the last line, hey, name gufei Torah, right? All of this is Torah, the stuff you know, the stuff you don't know, the stuff I understand, stuff I don't understand. Now, the next part of the Mishnah says, but by the way, there are limitations about how, there are limitations even regarding certain things you are allowed to learn, and there are limitations about how you are supposed to learn certain things. So it's interesting. It's almost like we go from all in, all in, all in, all in, all in to, okay, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes a little bit, right? Let's, let, let's go ahead and figure certain things out. Say, in Darshan Ba'arayas Bashlosha. 
Both say you can't learn about Arayos in groups of three. Now Rashi understands, right now Rashi's understanding is Shnayim Vuhu. That who's three? Who's three? A Rebbe, two Talmidim. We're going to change that understanding in the Yemah. But right now that's the three. There's one person who's teaching, two people who are listening. You can't learn the Genesis narrative. Just two people. Quite interesting. Okay, we're going to define all this. They both say you can't learn the Maisim Merkaba. Now we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this. That Maisim Merkaba is a big machlogus what Maisim Merkaba is. For our purposes, let's go just with the approach that Maisim Merkaba represents the prophetic vision of Yecheskel Hanavi. We'll get into it a little bit more. You can't learn Maisim Merkaba as an individual. Unless, of course, unless, of course, you're a Chacham and you understand certain things intuitively. Okay. Again, we'll define what all this means. Kala mastakel ba'arbedvarim rasui lo kilu blabala olam. We'll say, if you spend time focusing on certain things, specifically these four things, it would have been better had you never been created. Wow. What are those things? Malamala, malamata. So we'll say again. We're going to see an incredible machlokus about this as well. What is above and what is below? Malifnim umala achar. What is before and what is after? They both say, now Rashi says over here, Mala Mala, Merakia, Sharashiachayas, Umalamata Mehen. So Rashi understands, Mala Mala, Malamata, both refer to upwards, right? It's pondering what's on the different levels of the celestial sphere, right? What's the highest level of the celestial sphere? What's the lower level of the celestial sphere? Malifnim, what's beyond the eastern horizon? Umala Achar. What's beyond the Western horizon? That's how Rashi understands this. So Malamala Malamata is not up and down like we would like we would classically think about it, but they're both pointing up. But what's on the higher level of Shamayim? What's on the lower level of Shamayim? What's beyond this world to the east? What's beyond this world to the west? Tosis has a little bit different. Tosis says the Therish Mashma Mashahaya Kodim Shinivra Olam Umashia so ultimately, Tosis agrees with Rashi, Lamala Lamata, but Tosis says, Malifnim Mala Achor means what was, what was before the world was created and what will be after this world. We'll say, what's the common theme over here, right? So we'll say, first off, you think about it, it's such a, such a strong Lashen, such a strong Lashen, that literally, if you ponder, right, if you ponder what's going on in the celestial spheres, or you ponder what's beyond this world, behind this world, or you ponder what was before the world, what's after the world, the Mishnah says, it's better as if you were never created. And we'll say, what a strong Russian. Right? Torah doesn't say, I'm Mechalo Shabbos. Right? I eat Tarifus. Right? I kill someone. Chas V'Shalom. Torah never says, it's better as if you were never created. They will say, so what's the Pshat? It's very simple. You know what we're describing over here? Saying, we're describing getting involved in things for which there is no resolution or definitive answers. You see, I both say, why are we here in this world? Why are we here in this world? So much to the chagrin of the philosophers, we're actually not here to philosophize, right? And we're actually not even here to think so deeply and profoundly about things. You know what we're here to do? Do. We're here to act. We're here to do good things. We're here to change the world. We're here to change ourselves. We're here to change Am Yisrael. That's what we're here to do. So the Mishnah says, the Mishnah says, you know, you could get, and by the way, these discussions are so interesting, right? And you could get fully wrapped up in all of these things. 
What's in Shamayim? What's happening in Shamayim? What's before the world? What's after the world? And you can spend an entire lifetime philosophizing and pondering and thinking and this. And what is it when it says, when it says, it's not a punishment. It's not a punishment. It's saying you're going to waste your life and you're going to live your life pondering and thinking. And it's as if you were never created. Why is, why is it as if you were never created? Because I must say, we were put here to do. We were put here to act. We were put here to perform, not to ponder. So a person, but again, these are interesting stuff. It's so easy to get caught up in this stuff. And if you get caught up in it, you'll spend a lifetime of pondering and philosophizing, which is nice, but it's as if you never even existed. Because a life without dynamic activity, a life without mass and without action, is as if a person lived no life at all. So the Gemara goes right. The Mishnah goes right. Chas al Kavod Kono, And ever anyone who is not careful with the dignity of his creator, it's as if right. It's, it's as if he was never created. Or it would have been better had he never been created. So Rosa, you see from this Mishnah, by the way. Look at what this parak's going to be, right? And I'll say, well, look at the journey ahead of us. So let's go right there. So I'll say, let's get, to, let's get through some of the technical details. So I'll say, the first thing the Gemara says is, the Mishnah's contradictory. Because the Mishnah says, we don't learn right? the, the prophetic vision of Yecheskel as an individual. And then it says, Unless, but you can't, if you're wise, you could do it. So which one is it? Can you learn it? Can't you learn it? So we'll say the price changes something very important. Number one, number one, we don't darshan arayos. The laws of immorality, lishlosha. We'll say lishlosha means what? Lishlosha means what? Lishlosha? To a group of three. Now we'll say if you're not darshaning to a group of three, how many people are in the group? Four. Right, good. Just keep going. Let's keep going, right? Right? Four. Now let's say, because if I'm darshaning lishlosha, if I'm darshaning, I'm giving the shear, I'm giving the shear lishlosha, that's four. I'm the teacher, there are three people listening. So it says it's very important, it's a dramatic shift, because in the Mishnah, Rashi understood in the Mishnah that in darshan ba'arayos bishlosha, Rashi says, was shnayim vahu, two people and the teacher. The Brisa just shifted this and changed it to Lishlosha, which is a teacher and three, a total of four people. We'll turn in just a moment. And you should learn my Lishnaim. Both say same idea. It changed my Sebereshes from Bishnaim to Lishnaim, which sounds like three. So we'll say, so ultimately, again, the, we're going to see that the Gemara seems to say over here is as follows. That ultimately, again, Maisei Merkava can be taught to an individual as long as that individual intuitively is able to understand certain things on his own. We will come back to this in just a little bit. In just a little bit. Um, if you look at Rashi, so that first wide line, So what the Bryce seems to say is like this. If you have a gifted student who is pretty much able to understand my Semer Kava on his own, and if you, the Rebbe, will just teach it to him and he'll understand it without asking questions, 
then you could teach my simmer kava to such a student. But if the student is not is going to need to ask questions, you can't teach my semer kava to such a student. I will say this will make a bit more sense when we delve. We're actually going to learn about my semer kava when we delve a little bit more into this. But the idea is this is such an esoteric body of knowledge that I will say the fear over here is that a misunderstanding of my semer kava could actually derail one theologically and spiritually. So we're very careful about who learns it and how they learn it. So if you're the gifted student that has the ability just to understand when someone tells it to you, the Rebbe could teach the Talmud. Otherwise, if you have to ask questions, there's enough Torah for you besides this. Let's go right there. This is, this is, so, this is such a good Gemara. Listen to this. We don't learn Arayas Bishlosh. And I will say, now remember again, we just switched what we just switched bishlosha to what to what lishlosha lishlosha, which means now what's happening over here is a rebbe should not teach arayos the section of arayos to three times. You're going to see this gemara is so great, so great. Watch this. So my time. Uh, what's the reason why can't you arayos bishlosha? So we'll say maybe it's a drush like from the Psukim. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Pasuk says, Ish Ish, every man, al kol she'er bisaro. He's not permitted to have relations with anyone who's related to him, a close relation. Ish Ish Tre. Ish Ish is two. She'er bisaro chad. Right? right? She'er bisaro is one. And the Torah says, do not come close to uncover erva. Maybe, so we'll say, maybe that's the drasha. Maybe that's the drasha. Three people shouldn't come close to go ahead and uncover erva. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a remez. Like a remez in the Pasuk that a group of three shouldn't learn arayas. If that's the case, the Pasuk says, if a man, man, two men, will curse God, so maybe they're saying that you, it's only problematic to curse God with two people are cursing, or ish ish, or ish ish, will give their children over to Molech, but we'll say, remember again, Molech was the Avod Zara, where a person would walk in between two pillars of fire, and more often than not, would be consumed by the flames. It was often a popular form of child sacrifice. So maybe ish ish only applies if two people do Molech together. Shem was heard Abirchas Hashem ba'al avodazara ki Yisrael. Rabbi said, "No, no, ish ish by avodazara and ish ish by by cursing God actually teach us that even Gentiles, right, even bnei Noach, are prohibited to curse God and are prohibited to engage in idolatry." Hainami mi by the Rabbi says, "Anochim Shem was heard ala raiz ki Yisrael." If that's the case, ish ish by arayos by immorality is also necessary. First, why don't you learn from the base? Ish ish is also necessary to teach you what. That Gentiles, B'nai Noach, are subject to the laws of morality or, or immorality as well. Here we go. Pasik says, You shall guard my covenant. So I will say, So again, once again, words dashing the Pasik. Maybe it says again, Mishmart, shmartem, mishmarti, shmartem is plural, mishmarti, singular. So again, you have three, and then it says, be careful not to do these terrible things. That we're learning it again, so maybe darshan, you kill and arise together. So we'll say, that's the limit, you're going to have to apply to all these other situations, that doesn't make any sense. Ella, Omravashi. We'll say, here we go. And we'll say, this is such a profound Gemara. See, I will say, sometimes when we look at something, it's interesting how the mind often jumps 
to complex solutions. So I say, now watch this. So the Gemara says, we have a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, you can't learn Arias in groups of three. Okay, so now what we've changed it to is, you can't teach Arias to groups of three, right? So a Rebbe shouldn't have a group of three when learning Arias. So when we see this and we try to pick this apart, so I will say, what's our reflexive reaction? Drushes, psukim, plural, this, the, that. The Gemara says, calm down. It's simpler. It's not a Pasuk. It's Svara. Watch this. So I will say, this is incredible. El Amravashi, my ain darshin baras bishlosha, ain darshin bisisre arayos, my taima, svarahu. Now, we'll say, so listen to this. The truth is, it's not general arayas, first of all, that there's an issue. It's sisre arayos. Now, we'll say, what are sisre arayos? Sisre arayos are the forbidden relationships that are not explicit in the text, but are learned out from drushas. For example, we'll say, look at Rashi, it's the third wide line in Rashi, bisisre arayos, shilamifaroshos. These are arayas that are not explicit. Kigon, bitome, anosasal. Plus, we just learned the last parak. The daughter of a woman whom a man violates, right? That's not explicit, it's learned out. Or, aim chamov, aim chamoso. Or, your mother in law's mother, right? Or, your father in law's mother. These are examples of arayas that are not explicit. Sisre arayas. Bosi, listen to how great this is. So therefore, again, the Gemara is suggesting when we say that halacha lamaisa, you can't learn arayas in groups of three, it's referring to non-explicit arayas. So say, watch this. So here's the problem. Svaru, here we go. Betray, Bosi, listen to this. When you have two people, so again, you have to, here's the image. You have a rabbi and two students. So when you have a rabbi and two students, so I'll say, listen to this. When they're sitting in front of their Rebbe, tre shakil v'tari v'hadi rabbi. So we'll say, now listen to this. Chad shakil v'tari v'hadi rabbi. V'idach matzli udnei legimara. We'll say, watch this. This is so incredible. When you have two Talmidim learning with the Rebbe, okay? So let's say, we'll say, one of the Talmidim, one of the students, gets involved in a conversation with the Rebbe. So Reuben and Shimon are sitting, and they're learning with their Rebbe. So Reuben begins to talk with the Rebbe, what does Shimon do? What does Shimon do? He listens. He listens. What was that? Why does he listen? Why does he listen? Because there's no one else to talk to. Right? So he listens. So he listens. So listen in. And whatever, whatever the Rebbe's telling Ruvain, Shimon will get as well. Listen to this. Tlasaf, if you have three students, Chad Shakil Batari Bahade Rabbi. If let's say again, I will say now you have Ruven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven is talking with the Rebbe. Bahanach Tre Shakli Batari Bahadi Adodi. And what's gonna happen? Shimon and Levi are talking amongst themselves. Velo yodi And Shimon and Levi, because they're learning themselves, aren't listening to what the Rebbe is telling Reuven. And I both say, you know what happens when you don't listen to the Rebbe? We know. We, all of us went to school, right? We know what happens when you don't listen to the Rebbe, right? I walk away either not hearing things, right? Or I hear the wrong things. So I was like, isn't that incredible? So we just started drushes and this and that. And I was like, it's actually really simple, right? If you have two people learning with the Rebbe, even if one of them is engaged with the Rebbe, the other one will hear what's going on. If you have three people learning with the Rebbe, if one of them is engaged, the concern is the other two are going to continue their chavrusa, going in their own direction with their learning, right? Halavai, they're learning, right? They're doing learning. And then what's going to happen? The Rebbe is going to say something to Ruvain. Shimon and Levi aren't going to hear it. And Shimon and Levi could emerge with an erroneous understanding of Arayos. 
They both say pretty significant. Ihachi kolatara kulanami. They both say if that's the case, I don't understand why is this just the din in Arayas, right? In other words, why don't why don't we say this all of the time? All of the time that you should never have a shear that's larger than two tamidim. Which, by the way, if you know, the the student to teacher ratio, right? Or I should say the right the teacher to student ratio should be one to two. Well, that, that, that's easy, the magic number. That ensures that no one ever walks with erroneous information. We'll say, get ready for this. So, Arayas shiny. Arayas are different. Why? The Amr Mar, Gezel the Arayas, Nafsho Mechandasan Umis Avalohem. Because we'll say, there are two weak spots that each of us have. And the two weak spots that we each have is immorality and theft. Immorality and theft are the two things that people desire most and that people often transgress most. And we'll say, if you think about this, what a, what a profound, overwhelmingly profound Gemara. Gezel and Arias. This is what people want. The Gemara says, Yahachi, Gezel Nami. Okay, so why don't I say, but the Mishnah doesn't say that, right? The Mishnah just says Arias. It doesn't say Gezel, right? It, does, it doesn't make any mention of that. It doesn't say you can't learn the laws of Gezel in groups of only two with a Rebbe. Well, say, get ready for this. This is so overwhelming. So, in other words, Arayas, being befanov, shalom befanov. I will say, people yearn for immorality, whether immorality is in front of you or not in front of you. There is an innate desire to engage in immoral conduct, whether the opportunity is in front of me or not. Gezel, befanov, nafish yitzare. Yitzre, shalom befanov, lo nafish yitzare. When it comes to theft, theft is really only a temptation when? When? When the opportunity is in front of me. When the, opportunity, when the opportunity is not in front of me, ultimately, again, the desire is not there. Immorality, I was saying something amazing. Immorality, the desire for immorality, the desire for illicit things, that burns inside of me whether the opportunity is in front of me or not. Therefore, I will say again, for the Gemara purposes, Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, the Mishnah says, you can't learn Arias in groups of more than two and a Rebbe, that's, that's what it turns out, of more than two and a Rebbe, out of a concern, again, that if there's three or more, people will emerge with misunderstandings. But again, not all Arias, not all Arias, only against specifically the Arias that are not explicit in the text, but the ones that are learned out from nuance on this thing. I'll just point out over here, a Gemara like this is pretty overwhelming. I will say, when you hear Chazal say, Gezel Arayos nafshom nechandasan, that Gezel and Arias, a person desires, we'll say, which people, which people desire Gezel and Arias, which people, which people? Everyone. Everyone. It's Nafsho Mechandasan, the Nefesh desire, we'll say, it's so incredible how Chazal were on top and understanding of human nature. People are people. People are people. And if there are things, and there are things that we want, right? We want, we want immorality. People, human beings, in, inherently, just innately, want immoral things, and we also want things that are not our own, which I will say often those two things kind of intersect, because immorality often, often kind of goes into the area of wanting things that are not mine. But I will say, it's an incredible, it's an incredible idea to learn a Gemara like this, because I will say, sometimes people see a Gemara like that, and they think to themselves, oh, that's not me. That's not me. Me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, those fires don't burn as, 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 as brightly inside of me. Or that's not really my taiva. I will say it's everyone's taiva all of the time. And like the Mishnah says, Al tamin ba'atzmacha ad yom mosecha. 
Do not believe in yourself until the day that you die. Do not believe that you are beyond any, any act or any ever. I will say it's so important to be self-aware in this way. Pretty much, given the opportunity, any of us could potentially do anything. Put the right sort of set of circumstances, put the right opportunity in front of us, and we're pious. We're all pious. We're all good. We learn daf every single day. What Mark Hashbarah ask of a Jew? And maybe to Chazrit afterwards. I'm saying, but you know, you know, we, 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 we do. We do, the, we do the right thing. Even if you do the right thing, day in and day out. Chazal expressed this concept in so many ways. There are no guardians, no guardianship for immorality. Do not believe me. So we'll say, we always have to live life with our guard up. Because the truth is, nothing is beyond us. And that's not a knock. That's not a knock on who we are. We're great. We're great. But great people know their weaknesses. And great people know their Achilles heel. And Chazal tell us, men, especially men, have a natural desire for immorality. And have a natural desire. See, sometimes when that desire comes up inside of us, we think that it represents something that's broken inside of us. It's not that it's broken. We're just human beings. We're just human beings. Our job, I will say, and it's so important. We think like, oh, what did I do wrong? I, I, I looked at this or I desired this. How could I be thinking these things? It's natural. It's not, it, it, the shyly in life is, what do we do to control it? And what do we do to overcome it? What do we do to ensure that at the end of the day, we don't fall prey? See, I will say, it's one thing to desire something, something wholly different to act on it. Sometimes I can't initially control what I desire, but I can absolutely control what I choose to act on and where I choose to exercise restraint. And I will say this goes back to the Mishnah. That's why the Mishnah says, those who go ahead and spend their time wondering what's happening in the celestial sphere over here, the Mishnah says, do me a favor, everybody. Don't worry about, I mean, not exactly what you understand. Don't, don't worry about what's happening in the celestial sphere, right? Why don't you worry about your desires for immorality and theft? and figure out how to, do, how to create life strategies to allow you to handle that. That's much more important than what's going on in Shammai. But I will say, a beautiful Gemara, because it affirms and accepts our humanity. I know say there's a beautiful, this I'll end, this I'll end, I'll really end. The Katsker says, Katsker says, Anshe Kodesh Ti Yuni, Basar Basodetre Philosochelon. Literally again, Anshe Kodesh Yuni, be holy men, Anshe Kodesh. The Katsker says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not need us to be Malochim. Katsker says, Yeshla Kodesh Baruch Hu Malochim Dai Vahoser. Hashem has plenty of Malochim. He doesn't need any more Malochim. You know what he needs? He needs a few good men. A few good men. Not the one with Tom Cruise, right? I'm just saying, right? right? He, he, he needs a few good men, right? He just, right? He just, he needs. He needs Anshe Kodesh, right? He needs men who know how to be holy. He needs men, ultimately, again, who know how to live a life of Kiddusha. He needs men who know their struggles, but figure out the strategies to manage them. All right, what's the style for today? Shigoya.